love you. Couch potatoes, lovely couch potatoes. I, the editing green traveler of the future, would like to apologize for the performing green traveler of the past. You see, he forgot to make sure his microphone was working, and therefore recorded entirely using his laptop's microphone, and its quality is pretty shite, so I apologize. We do not have the advanced technological capabilities of Mr. Peter Jackson to to beautify my audio, as he did the Beatles audio, but I hope you can still enjoy. I hope it's not too detrimental, so I apologize, and we'll try to make sure this does not happen again. One, two, two three, three, four. four. Five. Channel folk, ladies and men, we're glad to have you here again. So please, won't you come on in and sit with us here on the couch? I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh. I was going to try to do a British accent, but like I can't, so. Yeah. I I was knocking stuff around on my uh, desk like a cat, but then I remembered <laughs> that we're not doing a wrist cast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is uh, I'm I'm the faceless Leon, everybody. Welcome yeah. to the couch, yeah. couch potatoes. This is Green Faceless on the Couch, a uh, podcast about movies and TV. Uh, today, it it might be about TV. We're we're saying it's about TV. It's yeah, it's technically a TV talks. I am uh, like I think it's easily argued that these are not. This is not a show. This is just a very long ass movie. It's it's a documentary in three parts. A really yeah, really exactly. long one. We're talking the Beatles, colon, get back. Get back. It's it's just a goddamn beautiful thing of art, honestly, let's be honest. So uh, before we get into it, though, did you have a faceless pitch? Did you? Uh, did I, did you did I have a... Uh, hmm. It's fine if you don't, because we got a lot to talk about. I think we got a lot to talk about. I think I'm going to let it slide, because I think it would take me too long to think of something. All righty. We'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and just go into it. This is a unique TV talks that need no faceless pitch. No, it don't. Because we just watched, like, almost six hours. I think it's ten hours. It's close to... Oh, eight, that's right. Ten. Right. I, yeah. Well, like, the first one's, like, three-something. I think this... I think the first one's two hours and forty. The next one was two hours and fifty. And then the last one's just two hours and thirty. Something like that? Yeah. The last one's not as long. No. And um, I think, think so, we'll for that. Yeah, but when I when I think back on it, I, like I say think the Lord of the last one that wasn't that long, but like I literally could have watched ten more hours of this. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean there I'm Peter Jackson watched, you know, near sixty more hours of it. <laughs> yeah, so okay, so here's here's the backup of it. Uh first first the personal backup. The Beatles I've loved them forever. They were probably the first band that I attached myself to as a kid. Um, you know, my parents, they listened to a lot of stuff. Obviously, I listened to what my parents listened to. That's kind of just how you, mm-hmm. you know, discover stuff or discover, start discovering what you like in regards to music. And like, I knew I didn't like country music too much. There's some country I can deal with, but not a lot. Yeah. Sorry. Everyone I grew up with. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I was definitely, though, into rock and the pop. Like, those are my genres, and I also liked uh, rap, but that came along much later. Like, my parents didn't listen to rap. 
I like everything. Honestly, there's occasionally a country song that I'm like, yeah, that slaps. Ooh, I don't remember what I was saying, though, right before. I don't either. Um, so let's just jump back in right here. There was weird technical hiccup. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but I've, I've loved, uh, we, we, that's it. We were talking about what music we like. And, right. <clears throat> and Beatles are one of the first bands that I really ever fell in love with. And like, I didn't really love much of their earlier era, honestly. I didn't like their their, their love songs are fine. The, the old like, rock first few albums. Yeah. Yeah. They're good. They have some really good moments, but for the most part I'm just like I like the stuff that they wrote that they experimented on. Yeah. The boundaries that they pushed. They're a great and, studio band. Yeah, like uh I can't remember which album came first, if it was Rubber Soul or Revolver, but like one of those albums, once they once they basically stopped touring and just went to the studio. Yeah. Holy fucking shit did they blow up for me. Like, I mean, they blew up for the world, but like right. listening to them as a kid, that was when I fell in love, was when I was like, Holy crap, these guys just changed my freaking way I looked at music, even as a kid. Right. That's Floyd for me. I'm yeah. I'm more into Floyd. I'm sure that there is a decisive ranking for me of bands, but I only know the top three really sure. well off the top of my mind and it is Brush, The Beatles, Pink Floyd. Those are my top three. And That's like fair. I just love Rush. They yeah, Rush, they didn't fight. Yeah, I'm sure they had yeah. little nitpicks and arguments, but there was no you know, they were in it for the music, for the friendship. They were they were solid. Now Beatles, a lot of tension going on here. Right. And before this documentary, my thought was that the Let It Be album was when they broke up. That was right. that was the the end all. They fought too much. George left the band. He came back so they could finish the album. They cut it. Clean rap. We're done. History. The, you know that's just how I've always viewed this album. And I would listen to it and be like, oh, so such a good album. But at the same time, like I could hear them going their separate ways. And this whole documentary changed my fucking mind on it. Like it literally flipped everything I thought about this album. Yeah, it's totally different than that there's a lot less aggression involved than yeah i thought that there would be uh, i right. i mean there's a lot of hours that we're still not seeing here so okay so what they were filming for was that they were going to make a tv show out of it but it turned into a documentary and that documentary exists i don't remember what the documentary is called uh let it be let it be just the same as the album yeah. and it is of them you know making the album and so they catch it, it is dramatic i'm not we're not going to say it's not dramatic because it is yeah. but yeah, there's some tense moments very tense moments but there's still a lot of love between them and it was really nice to see like their actual side of it now and right. what i was saying behind that because there's 60 plus hours we still don't see everything that happened but i do feel like peter jackson he wouldn't have given us nearly nine hours if he didn't think this was the most valuable stuff right we know that he can go on yeah and he chose <laughs> he chose a lot of tense moments that yes. it's just like there's no way that he cut out the the more aggressive terrible stuff right he he put in a lot of the bad alongside all of the good and like as you said there's 60 plus hours of video footage and then there's 200 plus hours or something like that of audio footage yeah like him him and like i don't know how many people sorted through this but his editor was uh, uh i might say it wrong but it's uh and i'm sorry if i do uh jabez olson 
and like together him and uh, Peter Jackson and Jabez Olson like amazing fucking job there are some editing decisions that just killed me and one in particular because uh, there's just so many small moments to choose from to talk about this movie but one in particular is when uh, when John left the band not long after George did halfway through their uh, their recording session there's just a moment where it's just Paul and Ringo left and Paul is talking to Ringo and to all the people who are sitting with him. And Paul's Paul's explaining where he's at with what's going on. Right. And he's like, he's like, listen, we spent 10 years, me and John being best friends, writing everything together. Like we were a creative couple. Like there's no other way to look at it. We were like a relationship. And now he wants to, to create only with Yoko. And he's like, that's fine. Let the young lovers have their yeah. love. But it's just like, for him, it's like he's going through a breakup. Like, it, it's very upsetting to him. And he's trying to make light of it. He's making jokes a bit. And then yeah. the camera just holds on him. And it holds on him for like 45 seconds. Like, they, they didn't they didn't cut that shot. And it just held, held, held. And by the end, his eyes are like wet. Like, he's about to cry. He's looking really sad. And like, you know that if anybody says anything, he might spill. But then somebody comes up and is like, hey, John's on the phone. Can you go call, talk to him? And he's like, yep, yep, I'm out. And he just yep. like gets up and walks out. Yeah. Beautiful fucking Which I imagine that was maybe like 45 minutes later because there was a cut there. There, Yeah, there was a cut from the, the one shot of him to like the wide yeah. shot of somebody approaching. But I honestly don't think it was like 45 minutes later because John didn't You know what? I day. think it, the people around him might have been having the same conversation. It might have been yeah, well, everybody just was, a different yeah, everybody angle. Everybody was talking. Because there were several yeah, camera yeah. angles, too. And, and that's the other thing, too, is uh, the, the whole documentary opens up with a placard that says, we don't have all of the right visual shots, but we put uh, in what was most appropriate for the audio that was being presented. So there are times right. where you'll have a shot where people had walked off before, but now they're back in the shot, and it's just like, they didn't actually. They weren't actually there for the audio. They had right. walked away, but Peter didn't have a better shot for that that moment. Right. So like they they had to take some visual liberties because a lot of the the footage is just it's old. It's you know it's not the greatest anymore. They they use a lot of restorative techniques, which is amazing. it's beautiful. I mean it, it yeah it, it oh man it you know I've got a fairly large screen. Everybody about does nowadays. Mine's not humongous by any means but it really looked like it belonged on that and you know sometimes yeah. when you blow up that film they even talk about it in in the movie when you blow yeah. up film it doesn't look good yeah that's why all that that enhanced bullshit that you see in sci-fi really irritates people yeah. because we're just like enhance that enhance enhance no that's not how it works like yeah. you know we probably have technology that's getting better i don't know honestly there might I be don't. some like filter tools but but it's like it's not as good as you see it in the movies. Like no. it's, it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, one of the things that I know they enhanced, and I thought this was hilarious because I learned about this after the fact. Um, even though the Beatles were paying these guys to document everything, to to be a documentarians and like to capture these moments, it started to irritate them after a while. Where it's just like we're trying to have a conversation, you guys are trying to film this. Like please turn the yeah. camera off. And one thing in particular. When they're they're playing solos and George and John were trying to have a conversation, but they realized that the audio guys were trying to listen in on their conversation because there was hidden mics everywhere right. throughout the set. Right, the, they, that was the only way they could uh, make sure that they could catch these 
these random moments of like private conversation. And so John and George would start playing louder on yeah. their guitars to yeah. cover up their, their conversation. <laughs> And I think that's just, it's so fucking hilarious. And like, that was lost to the Let It Be movie. The Let It Be movie couldn't use any of that footage because they couldn't hear any of it. But thanks to technology today, Peter Jackson was able to quiet the guitars and catch that uh, conversation again. Just fucking amazing. Like, so many good, uh, technical, technological moments used on this documentary that give us, you know, conversations that are lost to time. No longer. It's amazing. Yep. It, it is pretty awesome. And, and I do like that. So, you know, it, it kind of feels like a little bit like you're being a voyeur. And at first yeah. that kind of <laughs> weirded me out, but I watched the credits pretty closely. Paul, Ringo, and Yoko were all producers. I think George Harrison's ex was also ex. Okay. one of the producers. Yes, yes. Peggy. Yes, yes. I thought you were saying George Harrison was, and I'm like, what, his ghost? <laughs> <laughs> Way back in 2001, they froze him. <laughs> Woke him up just for this. Uh, yes. If you don't know the Beatles, both John Lennon and George Harrison, the other two, ha- died after being... They were both murdered, right? No. Um, John was murdered... Uh, and George died of cancer. There was a there was assassination, an assassination on yes. him. Yeah, yes. but I think he survived that. I do think he was stabbed. I can't remember honestly. Oh, okay. But somebody broke into his house. Like right, I couldn't like, remember if it was from complications from that or if he survived because I do know that he he made it to the hospital. Complete aside from his murder, but like George Harrison's like solo, like after the Beatles. Yeah, like I like I like John Lennon's uh, work with. Yoko Ono. There's, you know, Imagine. That's a fucking amazing song. Yes. Uh, what's the the wheels go round and round? I don't know if that's the I proper title, but like, um, like he's got a lot of beautiful solo career songs. And of course, you know, Paul McCartney's got the Wings and uh, whatever band he was, he was with after the Wings. I think they broke up, right? But I don't remember. But like that, George had the 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 career after the Beatles yes. that I loved the most. Which might be uh, very I would say musically, he and Paul were very successful. Definitely. I mean, Ringo's had a decent solo career, but I mean... He branched off into other things, though. Yeah. And I know there's a lot of people who love Ringo. He was the underdog, and people were just like, you know, he's my my beetle because he was the, you know, the other one. He was literally just there for the weed and the drug, or for the women, let's be honest. Like... (laughs) I love him in the documentary, okay? I fucking love him. He is such a great he doesn't like he doesn't put much input into the band. No, he has he he has like a blank ten thousand yard stare throughout most of it. Yes, but he is so goofy in the background. He's like a silent silent clown and I love him for it. Um I just honestly fell in love with all of them. Really, I really yeah. did. I could see us being friends with these people because you get right. Th- this is the only way to really capture somebody's personality, and they still know that the cameras are there most of the times, so they're probably right. not completely because you know, as soon as there's a lens, a, a possibility that somebody is watching you, you change. But that's the thing is, uh, they actually didn't know when the cameras were running. Yeah, the the cameraman fucked with them because they covered up all the lights on the cameras. 
So it was just cameras set up around the set nonstop, and the cameramen would walk away. They would hit record, yeah, right. walk away, yeah. and then the Beatles would sit there play, and they would look and be like, yeah, there's nobody at that camera. They're not filming us. We're good to talk. And then they would just sit there and talk and jam out, not knowing that they were being recorded. Yeah. The light was just being taken yeah. over. And that's why I wanted to stress earlier that Paul, Ringo, and Yoko have greenlit the yeah. use of this stuff. So, Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Paul even said once he uh, saw Peter Jackson's like finished product, Paul was just like it. It changed my perspective on how we ended. Wow! He had you know because of how the media focused on it, and because of, like his you know, he, I mean, he has also a closer perspective on it too. Right. But the media made it a huge thing, and everybody was like wondering, like, is it Yoko's fault? Was Paul too demanding? Was John too much on heroin or like other drugs? Like, what was the issue? You know, and yeah. they they just blew up and made it such huge controversy that when you when you watch it and you realize they were just friends, they were just all strained at the level of skill they were able to put forth in in such a group. You know that that it just kind of busted. You know, just broke them apart because they just you know right. George couldn't perform the way he wanted to perform. He had to perform the way Paul wanted him to perform. Right. And, you know, Paul and John were just constantly putting out music and George couldn't get any of his music in there. Right. And, yeah. And then, I mean, even George, uh, John, on the other hand, too, was John was criticizing George's music, you know. He wanted it to be more rock and roll. Yeah. And George definitely has a folky feel, and I love it. Yeah. He also has a little waltzy yeah. mixed in with his folk. And, and that was the, the one thing that I learned about... Uh, through this documentary that I just I don't know why I never knew this but Let It Be wasn't actually the last album they recorded they recorded Abbey Road oh, oh after shit. Let It Be but they they published Abbey Road before Let It Be so Let It Be was just like the last one they published huh. like it took them a year longer to publish this album after they performed on the rooftop and in that year they, they published and pro uh, produced and published Abbey Road and that's why I was confused because uh, one of the moments in, in the documentary is uh, George is writing some uh, something. I uh, maybe it's somewhere. It, it's something in the way she moves. You know that song. Something uh, in the like, way she moves. Yeah, I totally yeah. sang it wrong. So and he, cut that. And it, it, it's so <laughs> funny. Yeah, like I, I'm not gonna I, like I want to sing it, but like I I I don't want to be recorded singing it. It's yeah. gonna be so bad. But, like, it's so funny because he couldn't figure out the lyric. You know, he's like, attracts me like a what? And he's like, he's asking Paul and John. He's just like, Paul, what does it attract me like? It's like something in the way she moves me attracts me like what? A pomegranate? Like, <laughs> and he can't figure it out. It's so funny. But, like, when they're when they're doing that song, I was like, that's not on this album. That's on Abbey Road. I was like, why are they still working on that? And then I looked into it and I was like, they haven't even published Abbey Road yet before all this is happening? So it, it really did just change my whole opinion on this album because... I'm not a, a Beatles historian. I don't know right. everything about them. I don't know jack and, shit about them until I watched this. And then I noticed, I, and it's like one of those things like, oh, I didn't know how much I didn't know. There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing. And it's just like, and that's that's the other thing. It's like, again, I do love Ringo. I'm not going to say I don't love Ringo. He is right. a beautiful person. But when you watch it, you do realize that the creative limitations the the stress that's happening it's all among george john and paul yeah like like ringo's just sitting there he's he's trying to be the glue he's trying to just laugh and have a good time but he doesn't have his own music 
like to push into these albums. Yeah, he gets a cut, a one in every once in a while. I think I think he wrote two out of all thirteen of their albums. I think Ringo Starr was credited with two, <laughs> and I only know I only know one of them, and that is Octopus's Garden. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and, <laughs> and he gets to play it. I mean, that it is a good song. Uh, I do yeah, enjoy just, it. It's... So okay, I will say a couple things about this show that are both cons and and, and pros. One con is obviously the length but you can pause it whenever you want and pick it right, right. back up it's very much a conversational thing it's watching people work there's not really any narr- there's no narration there's there's some subtitles there is a narrative, there, there is a narrative yes there's yeah. definitely a place that there's goals that they set forth and they there is conflict and there is a yeah. shift in their goals <laughs> and, and and there's there's development of character like it's yes. amazing how peter jackson actually did pull a great story yes out of he sure did yeah. but you got to watch the whole thing to to yeah. get that and i do think it's very compelling but it is a commitment. That is all I I wanted to to say in a in a yeah. con for this because I thought it was very enjoyable. And if I can bounce <laughs> off that, it, for me, it's not a con because I am like like again, I'm not a Beatles historian, but I am a Beatles lover. Mm-hmm. Like I love their music, and so it was addictive for me that I had eight hours to watch of this or eight plus hours or whatever it is. Because it was like, I, I would watch like two hours and I'd be like, all right, I should probably pause this. And I would hit pause and I would like try to do something else. I would go for walking and it would just be nagging at me. It's like, oh man, I wish I could watch more of that. <laughs> and I would sit back down and be like, all right, I'm watching more of this. Like I literally was woken up at three in the morning by my dog and I couldn't get back to sleep. And I was like, well, I do have three hours left for the Beatles thing. And I got like four hours before work. So then I just watch the rest of it at three in the fucking morning because wow. i could like it, it's just it was addictive to me like the the link was not a problem as i said at the beginning i could have watched 10 more hours of this it was so fun just to watch these four just sit and create right i don't know why it was so fun but it was well i will say that peter jackson did a very good job at especially in between the first and second episode at making you being like, oh shit, I do want to watch more of this, uh, especially at the end of that first one. I don't want to yeah. spoil like where it ends at. Like I feel like that's fair. I feel like we can talk about things that happen in it because it's historical and people know this story. A lot of the people know this this story. Uh, anyway, I was not as familiar on it because I'm not. I was not as big of a, a Beatles fan. This, I think really made me a lot more interested in their music. Uh, I mean, yeah. there's obviously songs that I, I love. Um, I really dig Norwegian Wood. I don't know. Oh, it's such a good one. Um, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. I, I, album. Yeah, I think that's a, a good album. I, I know a couple of songs off that one pretty good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, from like their sixth or seventh album on, I can't remember what... Uh, Again, it's it's either Rubber Soul or Revolver. I don't know. I don't know their albums chronologi- chronologically like I do Rush's. Like I can list all the sure. Rush albums in order right here and now. But uh, the the Beatles ones I don't know in order. I just know that there is a turning point. It's either Revolver or Rubber Soul, 
where it's just like that's the moment where it's it's fucking phenomenal from there on. Yeah. And it, and I think it's I think it's honestly Revolver, but Rubber Soul is like one of my favorite albums they put out, and that's the one that has Norwegian Woods. Like, ugh, damn good album. I would say that the ones I listen to the most are from Rubber Soul and Revolver. And I mean, Sgt. Pepper's Lon- uh, Lonely Hearts Club Man, that's also... Got, I like, do enjoy on. that album. Yeah, that is yeah. the one that just becomes sound after a while. Yeah. <laughs> but see, it is, it is, I think, the most akin to what Floyd did. And I think that's why yeah. I like... I, I know I like that album. I've listened to that all the way. Right. Yeah, see, I feel like with Floyd, I've become more of a... A fan. I, I still love their Sid Barrett years, but like right. once Roger Waters becomes the the main songwriter for them, that's when they became my sure. Uh, that's yeah, when I love that them. That shit's good. But I feel like their their uh, <laughs> I feel like their Sid Barrett days were more closer to the oh Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. The, yeah, they they were, but. <laughs> What's the what's the one album uh, out of a heart mother from Pink Floyd? Is that the one with the, the cow on the front? Yeah, but is that is that Sid Barrett? I I don't I don't know what time Roger Waters that, comes onto the. Yeah, that the, might honestly be Roger Waters. Is uh, I know I think I know that the the Uma Guma one is Sid Barrett, right? I thought That's that it. was I thought that was after Roger awesome. Waters came on too. I thought it was very ra- oh rather early on, but I could totally be wrong, dude. I. I I love music. I listen to music every single day, but yeah. I honestly I just I don't know what it is in my brain, but I I don't really care about the particular artist unless it's something that I'm really fully in, involved in. That's like fair. Uh, yeah. I, it's just I just know that I like this music, and that's all I needed yeah. from from them. They gave it to me. Thank I think you. I think for me it comes from like that writing perspective where it's like when i'm writing it's it's kind of how i am in the moment and so when i hear music i'm just like i'm so interested in what the artist was like what the artist poured right. into that song that i and want I to wish know more I was about the artist. a little bit more interested but my relationship with music is i cannot focus on the task that i'm trying to do unless there is sound so yeah that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm like when I listen to music, I I will typically either be uh, multitasking, but there are so many times where I just put what will put on music and just sit there and soak in it. Like I just I there's some albums uh, that I just need to just listen to it. You know, I can't I can't right. do anything if I'm not just listening to it. like Clockwork Angels from Rush. That's one that it's just like if that's playing, I'm not doing anything else. I'm listening to that album. And then the, the again with with Pink Floyd, like, like the reason I love Rush more is because Pink Floyd and Beatles, they fought a lot, not not together, but like right. the inner bands right. fought a lot. Like Roger Waters is a tough act to work with ever. <laughs> I could believe it. He did spit on people, I think. Yeah. And the Beatles, like you watch this documentary and and you see that they all have their their own issues that are hard to work with. Uh, but like Ringo's like, he's there, he's not really paying attention. Like Paul's constantly telling him, Hey, you're playing this riff wrong. I don't want you to play it that way. Yeah. I want you to like, you're doing, but up and I need you to do, but up you know, yeah. it's like, you gotta, and like ring or Paul is, his problem is that he's very controlling. Yes. Um, 
part of the backstory is Brian Epstein, their manager, yes. uh, passed away like a year or so before the Let It Be album. And he was what kept them working. You know, he was like, you guys can be you, you can be creative, you can have fun, you can enjoy your drugs and everything and have like all this good life. But you got to be making sure you're doing this stuff. And yeah. He kept them on point. And when he died, they didn't have like Paul even says it. he's like, I've become the father figure and I don't want to be the father figure. Right. You know, he's like, he's trying to control them. He's trying to be like, he, he really is like a Mozart, like composer kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And. I don't know if Mozart's a good comparison for a composer. But well, like he, he has yeah. so much control that he wants to enforce over it, everything. If you believe the legend, Mozart just sat and and just wrote it out without any any mistakes or anything. And, and right. th this show clearly shows their process, and that's honestly my favorite part about it is right. these tunes that you're super familiar with because our culture is just soaked in it, and we do thank you. UK for all the music. <laughs> that's that's that is uh man. I do listen to a lot of uh, British, British artists. Songs. Yeah, right. I do too. <laughs> and that 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 was my favorite part too because there there's so many moments where like specific like right off the top of my head when when George is writing that something in the way she moves. And he can't figure out, you know, he's like, attracts me like a pomegranate. He's like, that doesn't, that's not good. Like, I can't yeah. figure out what fits there. And I'm sitting there screaming, like, no other lover, you dumbass. Like, it's like, no other lover. <laughs> you dumbass. <laughs> Come on. You know this. It's in your head. Uh... <laughs> and, and, like, even, uh, even the, uh, I think it's the two of us song with Paul I and John. I uh, love that, that song. I, I can't oh, recall so that I, had heard it before this though which really? i don't know how oh. i could have escaped from that because it's too right. good like it had to have been on the radio I've, i have no idea when the first time i heard it was but it was uh it was definitely going in with the knowledge that you know before i'd seen this documentary obviously that the band had broken up during this album yeah you know listening to that song that it really does it, seem like a right breakup romance song between john and paul and it's so sad it is there's there's a moment though in that when they're when they're playing that two of us song when paul paul even like right. says to john he's like it's like a romance song between us he's just like it's like it's like yeah. we're, we're we're talking about us and, and john just like laughs and then i was just like oh, it is it is it really is and i'm just yeah. like crying yeah. just, it, it does have anonymous tone and it has another uh another level to it because george is in the background there just looking at them like it is you guys think it's just about the two of you and right yeah and you could see that running in his head while he's strumming the guitar uh the right. way that paul and wants exactly because that i think that that might have been the album or the that, song that, that they're playing. It, it was and and it, yeah. it and it's all through that that through the the documentary that you see him in the background listening to this and you can almost feel like it's like oh man i didn't actually know who left first so for me right. it wasn't necessarily a surprise because what peter jackson cut out of this you can see it you can see yeah. it running in george's mind throughout the whole thing until he's just it very politely well i think i'm going to leave the band now uh, yeah. that's exactly <laughs> <And then> somebody 
<laughs> and then someone's like, Who's, who are we going to replace you with? He's like, well, get Eric Clapton, I guess. <laughs> it's just like, holy shit. <laughs> he means it. He's, yeah, he he's done. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. I'm done. And it's 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 very sad but then at the same time like it, it did give me new light on that song though because when he does come back and they move studios and they're doing mm-hmm. it at the at, i can't remember what the name of the studio it's apple studios maybe. yeah apple um, studio i think whatever yeah, and, and when they when they get to that studio that new one it became a much livelier and beautiful experience because like yeah. when they were the the first studio they're at it was like for a tv show that yeah. they had rented it was huge it had terrible acoustics it was a very dark like black curtain room right like it very ominous feeling and then they get into this lively like lime green colored white studio like it's beautiful and that's when their their whole mood shifts and that's when they're just writing and they're just having fun they still have a few spats every now and then but there's a moment where they play uh two of us and and like uh John and Paul are just like singing it through their teeth. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> it's so good. They're just having a fun time, and they're just like, they're like, how can we play this song differently? Like, we're tired of playing this. Let's to a rush going nowhere. Oh, check yeah, and, and you and know, just like, oh, like so they're all so goofy, but goddamn, John is the goofiest. I never yeah, would have like, guessed. Fucking stoned. I yeah. I honestly, I don't know why I had a completely different interpretation of him. I thought Man. he was like this. I mean, he still is kind of this philosopher type, but yeah. I, I thought you know he like because of his music that he's just always in his head. But he just, I don't know. Like honestly. He kind of reminded me of me a little bit, I'd say, because he does some goofy ass shit. And uh, well, see, that's good because I, I feel like on the on the inside, I feel like George Harrison, right. but on the outside, I, I I think I present myself more as like Paul McCartney, where I'm more commanding and like, no, 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 no we're not doing that. That's you know. Well, see, I feel like I have that trait too, so don't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't okay, feel so, bad about wait, it. So we're both Paul. We're both Paul on the outside. Inside you're John. Inside I'm George. And that's why we work. <laughs> uh, that's why we work. Uh, and then our friends could be Ringo. Collectively. Sarah said that she felt like uh, a George or a Ringo, and I and I honestly would like before this, before watching this, would have thought that I would have been a Ringo, but I. I think I'm I'm too vocally strange for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't honestly like looking at our our core group. I don't see many Ringos because I feel like we yeah. all have a drive, and I, like I don't want to say Ringo doesn't have a drive, right. but like when when he was of the Beatles, he definitely was the one who sat in the the passenger seat. Yeah, and and that's not to say he wasn't good, yeah. but that is to say. Like the interviews that have happened with the Beatles, he wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. Like there were so many moments where Paul would like would literally be like, no, 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 and then he would just take over and start playing the drums and like let's do this and like he'll play the drums and George or Ringo's just out having a smoke somewhere and like you you see him play the drums and you're just like, oh, yeah, he's definitely taking over the song with this instrument. <laughs> like Ringo never takes over the songs. That's yeah. one good thing about Ringo. He is he is a very good and competent drummer and can definitely keep the beat but he is in the background 
You true. can take over a song with the drums easily. You can, yeah. And he never and he never does. But Paul, when Paul is playing, you can definitely see that he's making that the front of the song. Yeah. Like he just he just takes over. And it's 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 a completely different just spirit, I guess, when like behind an instrument. It's it's very weird to see yeah. that. And like there's moments too where George will also play the drums and you can see there's much more of a you know, there's a louder beat, there's a louder they all have different yeah, approaches uh, to the drums. Yeah, of course. Uh, you mentioned that George, when he decided to leave, said replacement with Eric Clapton. I think it's really interesting how often George compares himself to Eric. It is. It's, it's so many guitarists. It's so. It's kind of sad that he compares himself to a yes, lot of guitarists. Yes, he does. He mentioned. He mentioned George. I think he mentioned the Animals at one point. Uh, Led Zeppelin. He mentions them. I remember that uh, that might not have been George, honestly, but like the, there's so many different artists that he brings up that he's just like, uh, but Clapton was especially because was Clapton the one that he was talking about how when he plays the guitar, he could play a story. Yeah. And he's like, when, yeah. And he's just like, I can't do that. And I'm just like, you fucking kid. What? Yeah. Like, whenever you, you, you play do. the guitar, I'm feeling a story. But like, yeah, you uh, do it, man. You do it. You just, he, I don't know. I, I feel like he, struggle he he just was less confident than john and paul i think that is it and, but they didn't you know when he would say things like that john and paul weren't there to be like no dude you're really good yeah you're you're fucking george harrison they both kind of like i feel like they let him down as a friend as friends in some of those moments because that's yeah. where i was like when he would say that i would be expecting one of them to say something and they just don't yeah and i'm just i'm just shocked i'm blown away and there is a nice moment when george left there's a moment where john john left and then he comes back in and when he comes back in he's like paul you and i have to talk and they go off into a separate room and that separate room had a, had had a, mic a microphone it, yeah. hidden in the flower pot and like i don't know if this conversation was you know listen like able to be listened to before this documentary this is the first i heard the conversation right but in that conversation like john and john talks to paul he's like we're both hurting george yeah he's like we're we're both failing him as friends and as bandmates because he's like you're being too demanding i'm not being uh polite to his music because like um when when george had presented the some uh, something in the way song John was like, "That's too waltzy. That's not. It not was rock and roll. Uh, we're rock and roll." Me. Oh yes, my, I, my, I me my. I me my. I me my. Yeah. 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 He's like, "That's too waltzy." He's like, "We're not. We're rock and roll, man. We don't need yeah. a three fourths wal- or four thirds waltz, whatever." Yeah, I really um, didn't like how he tore him for, into him for that. But then yeah, when they were playing I it again, when they were playing it again, he started dancing with Yoko, and then he was like, yeah. "That's really good." He he did turn around on it. It was like the first thing in the morning, though, that he he came in pretty high energy, and they showed him the song, and he is like, and he just the whole time George was presenting it, he was just ribbing ribbing him on it, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, they've been friends for years, and we are just looking on the outside, but you can just see it in George's face, like, and. And, you know, he even at the end, he's like, well, if you don't want it, you don't want it. And walked off. Yeah. And it's a beautiful song. It is beautiful. It's one of my favorites on that album, too. Like, I feel like that's the thing is 
when I look at it, I love George Harrison's music. Like he's mm-hmm. like, in my opinion, he is my favorite. But like, I love what John and Paul have done. And I think I like more of their songs. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I just relate to George so much, especially after watching this documentary. I'm just like, yes, I love you. And he, and as I, I don't know if I said it earlier, I meant to, but George went on to be in the Traveling Wilburys, which is like right. another one of my top five favorite bands. So George is in two of my top five favorite bands. But like, <clears throat> if you never heard of the Traveling Wilburys out there, Couch Potatoes, go listen to them. They are amazing. It's, you know, Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, George Harrison, uh, Roy Orbison, and Jeff Lynn from the Electric Light Orchestra. Like, just a powerhouse band in and of itself. But one that didn't fight like the Beatles did. Like, when they, when they got together, they only did two albums. But when they got together, they were just like, we're all at the prime. Except for Tom. Tom is kind of just becoming into his prime. Right. And it's like, we're all doing great. And they're all just having fun with their fucking songs. And they created two, like, amazing fucking albums. Uh, titled Traveling Wilburys Volume 1 and Traveling Wilburys Volume 3. Those fucks. Those fucks. I might be wrong about it. It might be Volume 1 and 2, but I, I think I remember it being Volumes 1 and 3 just because uh, we don't want to fuck with people. <laughs> but, like, I, I like I just love George, and that was one thing that this, this documentary gave me was much more of a love for George, especially right. what he had to go through being surrounded by just John and Paul because John and Paul are just the goddamn masters of the craft. Yeah, like, they yeah, they I mean, they just spit it out. It's like it is like it, they're just improving it until it's something. Yeah. And it's like what the fuck? And I'm like obviously that's how it has to work. I mean, you can't just come up with a song overnight. But they do just come up with songs overnight and they're like, yeah, yeah. and then we need to tweak this and then we need to do this. And then that, there's so many times where they hate each other's songs too, but they just go with it. Right. You know, where like, I can't remember specifics, but like Paul will have a song and he'll be like, well, you got to play it this way. And John's like, why? You, your lyrics aren't that good. They're not smart. He's like, so why do we have to have this kind of a guitar going with these kind of lyrics? Like you, you want a corny guitar going here and not, not something intelligent because your lyrics aren't intelligent. And I'm just like hearing that. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like the comfortability. To like talk to your friends like that because it's like I, I mean it there is some merit to it because like obviously if you're being professional and you are the top tier band of the world you got to be able to critique each other right but obviously it it has it has a way of turning into being snide and yeah. cruel to each other. <laughs> Well, that, that, yeah, that's the thing is whenever he would say those things, Paul wouldn't take offense. Paul would be like, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a very high quality lyric right there. So, yeah, why don't we try it this way? And then they would play it how John was saying. It's like, yeah, yeah, that does work. That does work. It's just it's a level of just comfortability with each other's like. It's a trust to knowledge of writing and also their yeah their feelings on it, too. Yeah. Like. But it didn't. It, it, that just didn't extend to George because it felt like they were doing the same thing to George. Well, he didn't get as many songs on any of the albums. Yeah, yeah. He only ever got like two or three or something like that per album. And he, there was a moment too that this almost made me cry. He he mentions a, an album idea to John, and like I've heard people after the fact say it could have saved the Beatles, and like hearing him say it, I'm just like thinking the same thing. Like, yeah, that could have saved the Beatles. And he he mentions the John. He's like. 
why don't we just do albums per each one of us? Like the next one, I'll put out an album of my songs. We could all do my own songs. I'll have the creative control over it. Next album, Paul gets to have his songs with creative control. Then it's you. And it's like, yeah, that probably could have worked for a few That could have worked, yeah. Because, I mean, basically that would be them doing solo albums. Yeah. But they'd still be playing with each other. And they, they enjoy playing with each other. I mean, even when they did their own solo albums, like on Ringo's first solo album, I think both George and John played on it, not uh, Paul. And then I think there's a George Harrison solo album, I think, that John played on, maybe, or maybe it was Ringo, one of them. But, like, they would play. <laughs> they still played with each other, and they still met up occasionally for dinners and stuff afterwards. Like, they were still friends. Right. It's just, it just became just such a huge thing that... They outgrew each other a little bit on, on the professional yeah. basis. So, I know this is, like, really late for this, but let's take a soda pop break and then come back for closing statements. Before we get into it, uh, I do want to send you all down to patreon.com slash green and faceless. If you like us rambling ADHD style like Mad Men uh, and calling them <laughs> critiques, then by all means, please go down to patreon.com slash green and faceless. Check out our tiers. Let us know if you want merchandise. We'll, uh, we're interested in, in, you know, in broadcasting ourselves out there to the world further. And uh, we could use your help yeah. to help us with that. Yeah, yeah, please. It, you know, and also if you want to be a podcaster... There's a code that we have on our website that you can use that I forget. Fabulous. Um, I didn't know about yeah. that. Yeah. And then we get a little bit of money from our hosting site. Yeah. Hell yeah. Podbean. Yeah. I we're, thought you were going to say, if you want to be a podcaster, stay off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys could do what you want. You, you could pot about anything. I mean, we, that's kind of what we did. We just decided to sit down one day and we loosely talked about the structure of the show and yeah. and just and did We still it. don't have an idea about it at all. No, not at all. I mean, that's one thing you can help us out with, Cut Potatoes, if you want to get in the comments and be like, this is how you should do it. And maybe we'll take yeah. your opinion on it. Please, that'd be great. And you know what? I, you know, there, I know there are things that I need to be doing for this show, but... It comes down to that there's not enough time in the day, so... Yeah, this is still a hobby for us. We both have full-time jobs outside of this, plus yeah. this. So, I, yeah. And, you know, we do put quite a few hours a week into this, so I... Oh, yeah. You know, it's a, a very productive hobby. Yeah, we appreciate you appreciating us, and if you want to appreciate us further, you can go down to patreon.com slash greenfaces. <laughs> We'll appreciate you further. But back into... <laughs> That's not true. We'll always appreciate you for everything. We'll do this show for free until we die. Thank you for listening. But to get back into Get Back, to get back into Get Back, uh, there's just a few more things I wanted to talk about. First, I forgot to mention, uh, say this earlier when we were talking about it, but uh, watching them basically just improv these songs into life, yeah. Really inspired the crap out of me. Oh, yeah. Because you and I, we're both writers. We both have different things that we're writing. But, like, I'm trying to write a novel right now. 
and I get maybe one out of one day out of the week, I have a great day right. where I'll write something and I feel really good about it. And I'm like, that's right. I can publish something someday. I might not be, you know, Stephen King level of right. uh, accomplishability, but like I might, you know, someday get there. Someday. But you can do it. But most of the days of the week, the other six out of the week, I typically will write and sit there and look at what I've written and be like, why am I doing this? Like, my goodness, this is just trash. Like, and I keep forgetting that it's a first draft, you know, it's, it's not that great. So watching this documentary and seeing these fucking masters of music struggle. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was hugely inspirational for me because it was like, none of them were like, I can't write this song. I can't figure it out. We're done with them. I'm going to scrap it. No, they were just like, well, what, what works here? Like, let's just keep yeah. going at this. And they yeah. just kept throwing shit at the wall until finally they had a masterpiece. I'm just like, or, or they were so tired of playing that piece that they had to move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that happened a couple times. It was pretty good. Yeah, but it, but it was so it was such a good thing for me. It was, it was it was like precisely what I needed to see these people who I like. I don't know if idolized is technically the right word, but I definitely loved these people for a long time. And seeing the fact that they didn't just have perfection always was just very helpful for me very helpful for my mindset for what i was trying to write and for how i was writing where i was just like oh i don't always have to be fucking perfect it's good yeah you know i feel like i got some inspiration from this too because i was also working a show where there was large strength stretches of time where I, i did not have to be doing anything i was just standing by so i got quite a bit of writing on um the adventures in valagorn another show that we do done so look out for that so if you want to be inspired if if i can lead can i lead into a closing statement are we there uh, i think we still had two more things to talk about we had yoko right. and the that's right performance. that's right <clears throat> Well, let's talk about Yoko. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, maybe there's some kind of technique she has. Um, but yeah. I think that was a pretty good impersonation. <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. Is Yoko widely known as the woman that broke the Beatles up? Was like, everybody the, dumps it on her. Yeah, that's the that's that's what this whole documentary showed me was that it was nothing. She sat there politely yeah. in the back for all these sessions. Occasionally, her and Paul would talk. Occasionally, her and George would talk or Ringo. Sometimes, yeah, she would have moments where she was laughing with them, but most of the time, she just looked like she was like just stoned in the background. Yeah, just sitting there calmly, letting the music wash over her. And, like I... there was no, I didn't like. Maybe it was the tension that she was just there. Like I do, yeah. I do hear that a lot. That her being in the sessions was bothersome to the other members. But if it was, you really don't see it. No, not in this. Not in this. No, they don't. They don't show it. They don't ostracize her or anything like yeah. that. That in yeah. fact, she's yeah, like you said, she has conversations with them from time to time. I. It seemed like they were totally cool with being friends with her. There's even this like incredibly cute moment where Paul brings his uh, daughter, or maybe it was his wife's daughter. I don't know yeah, it's it Linda's kid. kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? Heather, I think. Yes. 
she's she's in the studio and there's just this super cute moment where she is like imitating Yoko, like where she's just singing and yeah. like and you know, doing that the scream singing kind of thing. Yeah, I don't I don't know what to call it, so I'm sure that's offensive. And I'm very sorry. Yeah, but me imitating uh, it probably wasn't very nice either. <laughs> but it, it's such a cute moment because she's sitting there and she's doing that in the mic and yeah. john's playing for her like he's, yeah. she's like next to john and he's playing and you can see yoko in the background she's just kind of smiling and like talking to somebody it was really cute yeah it, it was such a good moment like I, th- those are the moments that i just treasured in this whole thing yeah but like it it definitely made me have a different opinion on yoko because i never hated yoko i'll be honest like as much as i love the beatles i do love uh, I'll be honest. I do love the Plastic Ono band. Like I've listened to quite a few of their songs, and they're like, "This is not bad." Like, <laughs> yeah, I I like the stuff of hers that I've listened to. There's this one song that she produced with Portugal the Man, "The Soul in the Box." I can't remember what exactly it's called, but it it you know it feels like it was like a a Pandora box kind of story. I listen to that all the time. It's yeah, she's good. got a very interesting voice and i think this was you know portugal the man was rather recently so you can tell that her voice is older but it's she got this very interesting tone in that that song so go check that out definitely definitely check out portugal the man also just like outside mm-hmm. of that they're a fucking amazing band but like i don't know it's just, it, like i've had such a what's the word for it? a stereotyped view of yeah Yoko. Uh, yeah she has a reputation that I don't think is just. Yeah, it's not. And it's like, I get the, I get the, like, where it comes from, you know, the whole relationship of John and Paul kind of being splintered and, you know, John going that way with Yoko and Paul just being like left out the drive. It's just like, at the same time, it's like, Paul also had a fucking relationship. He had Linda. She was there occasionally at the studio. And, like, I get that it's more of a creative thing with John, where he was, uh, you know, writing songs with Yoko rather than with Paul. Right. But at the same time, like, that's just that's just how it be. You fall in love sometimes. And, like, as, as, yeah. as Paul even said, he's just like, let them have their love. Like, this is how it's going. And that's, I want him to be happy. I don't know. She, she, she it's definitely not just. She definitely, at least in this documentary, again, yeah, I haven't seen from the, the Let It Be From the view of this documentary. She was not cast as the villain. Yeah, there you go. That's the way to look at it. And that's, and that's, I appreciate that a lot. It, it, yeah. This, this documentary just opened up my eyes like a fuck ton about everything, about the Beatles. And like, I'm so happy it happened. Uh, the last thing, I guess, to talk about before the, uh, before our closing statements is the final act of the third part of this documentary series. The last 40 minutes of the the whole what it all leads up to in its twisted turned up way (laughs) oh it's so fun and that is the final performance of the beatles which is famously done on a rooftop of their apple studios i don't know if it's apple studios but of their studio yeah they they just went up to their studio they they built a, a stage they played up there for 40 minutes until the police kicked them out and that was the final time this like one of the greatest bands of ever all time the band that's like you know wildly changed the industry right. final time they played amazing like I, I've, I've loved that performance i've never watched it fully i didn't know if the full thing was recorded honestly before this i just know that i've seen the you know don't let me down music video which came from like there's like three songs from that performance that are on the album that right. are actually that, like they recorded it 
on that rooftop and we're like, fuck it, that's the recording we're putting yeah. on the album. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's and, crazy. And, and it was because they <clears throat> initially they had this plan for this live uh to to do the album live and then cast it as a t on TV and do a TV show with the the uh, the producing of it. But all that right. changed and got the dates got pushed back until finally it was this free concert that they had no permits to do. <laughs> it was so socket to the man and I fucking loved it. Like, like even before that though. It was so funny yeah. because before that they wanted it to be like this huge uber big performance because yeah. like the the new manager of them, I don't remember his name, but like he was just like if this is going to be the last time you guys are playing, it's got to be huge. You're the Beatles. It's got to right. be you know mind blowing. Like I just remember there's like a scene where he's talking about like we want to go to the shores of Libya and we yeah. want to have like a million flaming arrows shot out right at yeah. dusk like and you guys are going to start playing at nighttime and torchlight and like they, they wanted it to be fucking huge. Yeah. And that wasn't, you know, the Beatles, like some of them, like, I think Paul was like, okay, I guess, sure. Yeah. Like, we can do this. And uh, Paul, I, I feel like Paul started getting excited about it because like there yeah. is the, the amphitheater uh, that they wanted, the Greek amphitheater and yes. in Libya excited him. And Ringo's like, I don't want to leave England. <laughs> yeah. George did not want to travel either. He's like, no. Yeah, they're just like, our fans, that. our fans who started us are here. Yeah. Why would we go elsewhere and play for them when yeah. the people who started us won't be able to travel with us? Yeah. Right. And I think they came up with the perfect solution. and Which was the laziest solution. Yeah, the laziest. <laughs> yeah. Which is why it worked for them. They, Like, you can tell at, in this documentary that while they still knew how to play together, they didn't know how to produce together anymore. They right. They there was something that was a little bit broken. So you know the fact that it was lazy meant that it was achievable. And it, I remember, dude, when they when they're two days out from this and they're talking about it, and the guy and the guy that's helping them set it up is like, okay, but you guys don't even like really know the songs yet. And they're like, no, <laughs> right? no, dude. It's always like it's this. It's always like this. <laughs> I think there's even a moment where uh, where um Paul's yelling at John and this might this might be a little more than two days before. It might have been like a week before, but Paul's like, you have to know the lyrics. You don't even know the lyrics. And like John's just like Yes, but I always found that when my back's pressed up against the wall, I work better, Paul. <laughs> it's, just, it's just both of them like attacking each other like snidely because yeah. they knew the they knew the microphones were listening in and everything, and they're, they they both wanted to yell at each other, but they knew that if they did that, that would be like the big thing. Yeah, yeah. Because the band had already broken up at that point, so they're just like they're just making it funny. But at the same time, they were both very annoyed at each other. Yes. Like Paul's like, you don't know the fucking lyrics to your own song. <laughs> and John's like, it'll be fine. And like, even when they do the rooftop performance, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. the song's I, the song titled Dig a Pony, or I Dig a Pony, yeah. like John still didn't know the fucking lyrics. I mean, they're basically nonsensical in my opinion. I love right. that song, but like they are just ludicrous lyrics. But like John had, <laughs> had somebody come up and just hold the lyrics up in front of him. Yeah, because it's, nobody could actually see them. This is well, yeah. unless you got up on your own rooftop, and and, yeah, and there yeah. were a lot of people who did that. But <laughs> most, yeah, most of the audience is down on the sidewalk to the street. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and I love that too because there's just cameras down there and there's like a, you know, a guy running around. He's like, do you know who this is? Do you know who's playing? And everybody's just like, I think it's the Beatles. And he's just like, yeah, it is. You're it's right. You're good. right. I'm doing this thing with them. <laughs> and I love, I love the, uh, like, there's so many women or uh, men who are just like, you know who that is? And it's like, well, I don't know, but that's definitely Paul McCartney singing. It's like, yeah. It's just, it just kind of blew my mind that they're just like, well, I don't know who would be playing, but that's definitely Paul McCartney. It's like, then it'd be the fucking Beatles. Like, yeah. us. that just seems obvious. But back then, I guess there was so much, you know, it's like, I don't know if they're still together, honestly. They're just yeah. all in their studios by themselves. They don't perform anymore. And like, this is mm-hmm. the first performance in years, too. So it was just, it was just such a fun performance. And it's done at the end of January. It was like 20 degrees outside. Right. Like, John and George are in like fucking fur coats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's the a moment fur, where John's like, like big like, fur coats too. Like yeah, that, it, it must have been in fashion for a short bit uh, because right. they were they wore a, George wore a lot of that fur coat often. Really, yeah. He, he, there was this one funny like he, he almost wore they weren't Uggs but they kind of looked like Uggs boots. Yeah, he, he like, they were moccasins for sure. I I don't know oh, yeah. if if they were supposed to be from native um, from the natives of America or India or what. I know that I, I would he probably a, assume India. I would assume uh, that's what I would like to assume, but they. They seemed rather warm, and I guess they do have mountainous regions. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea, but like, it was so funny to just see a lot of their fashion choices because yeah, especially George's. Yeah, George was not the most fashionable man. <laughs> not that he, I think he thought he did. He th- yeah, <laughs> the fucking fur coat with the boots is so funny that oh, he was man. wearing that because I was, was just like, man, why do I care what I look like when I wear shit? Like <laughs> he's just going around in fur coats and moccasins. Like fuck it. The plasticky coat that the red like raincoat that <laughs> yeah. fucking, but it, it also was cut. Like, I don't know. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, it's so that 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 outdoor performance though, it's. It's phenomenal. The whole, I think it's like 43, 45 minutes of it is on this album or on this bi- uh, biography. And it's it, like, I had to watch it twice, honestly. Like, I watched it and I was like, okay, I still got 40 minutes until I got over work. I'm just going to watch the concert again. Because nice. it was, it's just beautiful. It's such a beautiful moment. They, they, it's weird because they play only like five songs. But they, they played three of them like multiple times. They played Get Back multiple times. At least yeah, yeah, three like, times. I think they played Get Back three times. And then they did Don't Let Me Down twice, I believe. Like it, yeah. it basically came out that they played like four or five songs and they did ten total songs, but like only four or five individual songs. Yeah. They just kept replaying them. Because they were doing it for the album too, because they knew that they weren't gonna get the full thing recorded in time. So they were trying to record some. Right. while doing that live performance and it's it's funny because uh i think it's the it's either two of us or i dig a pony uh, but i think it's two of us that's on the album and at the beginning of that if you listen to the album version you can hear ringo stop the production of it because it's just like they start they start playing it's like Ba-da-da-da-da. and then you just hear ringo say hold it okay and then they start over again. It's because he was just like he was like blowing his nose or doing something with one hand, so he had both of his drumsticks in the other hand. And they had started playing. He's like, "I'm not ready, guys." <laughs> He's like, "I can't play yet." 
that, that made it to the album. When you listen to the album, you can just it, that just happens. You just start hearing it's like hold it. Okay. <laughs> so funny. It's such a such a just mishmashed album where it's like we gotta get we have a short period of time, we gotta get this all out there. We're running out of time. Fuck it. Let's just do it on the roof. So oh. I really think what the benefit of watching this concert through this documentary because I believe there is I mean they have their documentary that they produced at this time with the concert in it. But I don't but believe they put out the full part the full the one performance of each song probably. Yeah. So I think the benefit of watching it through this is the perspective that you get of these police officers. Oh god, the poor guys. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Like they they get a bunch of complaints because you know it's, it's not everybody is just like oh yeah the Beatles. Some people are like we are trying to conduct business here, and yeah. they have <laughs> to go music. What is this? <laughs> Th- this cannot be legal. Yeah, and the Beatles didn't alert anybody. They didn't no, get any kind no, of permit. It, they didn't tell their neighbors. Total hey, surprise. Be on the rooftop. Yeah, like I think there's even a moment where they say we'll just play until the cops come. Right. They hid a camera in their reception and the police come in and they're like, we need, we need this to stop. We need this to stop. And they stall them We've for a really long the time. They stall him for a really long time and they bring different people to talk to them. And they're like, oh, you need to talk to this person. They're like, don't bring another. Oh. <laughs> 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 with their stupid fucking chin straps, yes. oh, it looks their so helmets of, of that era too. I think actually they might still wear those helmets. I'm not. Sure. I think they do, and like I, I don't understand it because it, it, it has a chin strap that goes under your bottom lip, but not yeah. under your chin, under your bottom lip, and it bothers me. It bothers, bothers me so me much. I felt so bad for the guy on film because I'm just like, man, not only do you look like a dork, but now you're like you're you're captured. As the guy trying to force the Beatles to stop playing yeah. for their last time ever, yeah. while they get, like a dork, they get so frustrated. <laughs> and I believe one of them at some time just softly to the other one says, "It's rather good, isn't it?" <laughs> 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 and oh, they finally so make it to the roof, and it's like, "Just let them finish this song. Just let them finish the song, or something like that." And they yeah. definitely play a different song. And I mean, like, (laughs) and then this, like, I don't know if he's a sergeant or a captain or something, but this other higher ranking officer finally comes. He's like, may I come in? He's very polite. And they're like, oh, shit. Then it's just like, let him go in. (laughs) And he makes it to the roof. And that was pretty much at right at the end of the, 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 the concert. And it's funny though to me that all three of them just kind of stand there and watch. Like they they yeah. get up there to stop it and they just watch. They just politely let it happen. Yeah, and and like there's a moment where they get up there and you know Paul sees it and Paul kind of like looks over and he sees the cops are there and he kind of like looks at George. He's like, uh oh, look, the cops <laughs> are here. You know, and George is like, uh oh, you know, he's having a fun time. He's smiling yeah. about it. And then uh, I can't remember who it is on the Beatles uh, management crew, but like he runs uh, over Maul, Maul Evans. He plays the hammer in in Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Right. It's it's funny though because like he he like runs over and he unplugs George's amp when they finish their song, 
and like Paul and George had just started, or Paul and uh, John had just started up another song. And George is like looking, and he's like looking, and he's like, "Fuck you for unplugging my amp." And he just plugs it back in yeah. and starts playing with them. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. He's just like, "You don't do this. I'm the Beatles." Yeah, <laughs> you don't unplug it's, us. It's pretty good. It all ends with John saying, I hope you all enjoy the audition. I hope we get the part. Yeah. <laughs> Jokingly walks off. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. I think, uh, are you ready for the closing statement? Oh, yes. Let's do it. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No worries. You you enjoyed it a lot. So Easily four stars. No, like no, no doubt about it. This is. Uh, I don't want to say this because we're going to be putting up an episode, a, a special episode, in just like two or three weeks about what our favorites are of the year. But uh, this, you'll you'll see this on the favorites list. This was one of my favorites. It is just, it's beautiful. It, it literally made me cry at times. I was laughing the whole time. Super addicted to it. Like as I said, I watched the fucking concert itself over and over again. Uh, well, over and over. I watched it twice. But, but watching this entire documentary over again, it doesn't sound like a task. It sounds like I can just do that again. Yeah. Because it, I fucking loved it so much. It can be very passive, too. Like, you can do other things while it's on, especially after you've gotten the story. It's, it's so funny to me that the Let It Be documentary itself picked apart, like, the worst bits of this entire moment to make it the very, cons- like, contestive like combative fighting album you know they're always mad at right. each other they, they pick the worst moments and it's hilarious because peter stepped back looked at the whole thing and produced a very long project about how that wasn't so much the case and then now i'm seeing a tiny like a shit ton of tiny videos popping up all over youtube where it's like, you know, two-minute clips from Get Back, where it's just like all the bad stuff, where it's like the moment George Harrison left the band, or the moment John Lennon and Paul fought. It's so funny <laughs> that people are now picking apart this happy documentary to find all the bad right. bits now. Right. They're pushing that everywhere. But but that's the thing, is like you can watch many different small moments of this because it's just like it as you said earlier, it's like being a voyeur. You're just yeah. you're sitting there. And you're watching them create, and and it's just for me, it was a very marvelous, inspirational, all around, fucking awesome documentary. Like I, this is easily the best documentary I've ever seen. Four stars. Peter Jackson did a incredible job. Like I, it, it literally before watching this, if you had said that I would like something more of Peter Jackson's filmography than his Lord of the Rings trilogy. I don't like your full shit. There's no way anything of Peter right. Jackson... There's no way Peter Jackson create, can create anything that would best his Lord of the Rings trilogy. Best it. Get back. The Beatles get back. I love it. The Hobbit more. series. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yes. No, series. no, no. That does not compare. Uh, so, for me, I'm going to go ahead straight off. Yeah, it deserves the face and a half. This is... Wow, it was really good. And what a fucking project that had to be for Peter Jackson. I'm sure there was at least that much footage for the the Lord of the Rings. But, man, you look at all this shit that just has absolutely no structure. And then you were able to pull this this story out of it. I think that's great. It's fucking Especially when he had no creative control over it. Right, exactly. Yeah, he did not produce this. It, it It is... he just took it 
and shaped it and very very good job what do i want to say about it still we've we've said a lot well it's a fucking commitment guys i said it before it really is super long i know you said you could watch it over and over again i definitely could put it on in the background i i think too because you know they're playing the tunes and uh being goofy and it's fun it's a lot of fun but if you're not super into the beatles or even this genre of music or British accents bother you, <laughs> then you're not going to want to do it. <laughs> but, you oh know, we uh, we like British accents here on the couch. So We do indeed. <laughs> Especially the Beatles British accents. Yeah, Liverpool accents. That I like that accent. I really do. I really At first, do. though, I was having a struggle with understanding. Yeah, when I was when I was a kid, I could not in any way tell you which was John and which one was Paul. Right. As a kid, they I thought it was just one singer. Oh. Um, it wasn't until I was probably like eight or nine or maybe even ten where I was just like, oh, Paul and John both sang. Oh, and so did George. Like what? Like <laughs> and it, sometimes it was, Ringo. And sometimes Richard Starsky. That was that was one thing. Is I I never I knew Ringo Starr was not his real name. I, yeah, I knew his first name yeah. wasn't Ringo. Yeah, but <laughs> I was thrown. I was literally thrown. Because uh, somewhere along the line, I have known that his, his real name was Richard Starsky, but that's not knowledge I kept. And so when John kept calling him Rich, or like when John right. called him Richie, and I'm just like, why do they keep calling him this? And I, <laughs> then it just dawned on me. I was like, oh, that's probably his real name, isn't it? Yeah. And I looked it up. And I'm like, yeah, his real name is Richard Starsky. Okay. Got it. I, I do think I do believe it's Starkey. Starkey, okay. Yeah. Yeah, see? It's not knowledge I kept. <laughs> that was that was a very odd uh just factoid to that I noticed was, you know, when they would put up because whenever they would play a song, Peter would always put up a little title card that's just like this is what they're playing, and it was written by you know, Lennon McCartney or George Harrison. And for whatever reason, Ringo, whenever he yeah. had a song, it was credited to his his non-stage name, uh, to Richard Starkey. I wonder why that is. Like, yeah, I wonder why he did that. That's a very, I mean, it's, it's nothing, like, it, whether he had credited to Richard or to Ringo, like, either it's way, him. it was his song. But yeah. it, was, it was very it was very interesting, just factoid that I noticed. I wonder if some, some uh, studio or something somewhere owns the name Ringo Starr. Oh man, that would piss me off. Yeah, like, took that from like the first studio that because if I'm not <clears throat> mistaken, I well, I, I could be completely wrong about this, but I always thought that it was some industry person that introduced them to Ringo. It's like, hey, this is this drummer that we know could work for you guys. Yeah, I can't I can't remember. I know it I think it said at the beginning, like at the very beginning, because like Peter has a very brief Overview. Lead up to the album, yeah, yeah. Overview, yeah. thank you. And very brief, like it's maybe a minute of of just it, it title was, cards. Yeah, it was. I think a little longer than that. At least it felt a little longer than that. Yeah, and it, it was just like you know, Paul and John met each other, such and such introduced them to George, and I think it said George introduced them to this great Liverpool drummer named Ringo. Because like they their first drummer who was the name Pete Best is that that the, I don't remember that might be that might be completely wrong but like I think that was their first drummer 
but then they they got introduced to you know great Liverpool drummer Ringo Starr, and like at the time he was you know really well known in Liverpool as, for his drumming, and then bada bam like <laughs> he joined the best band ever and you know yeah history bada bam and that's I think our bada bam show. How do you bada bam is, feel about is, that? Definitely, definitely go check it out. It's on Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Every single time I finished the episode, I felt like it was on a different. I thought it was on Hulu. Right. I, every time I thought it's it was because on you're Hulu. listening to a lot of swear words. They were cussing a lot. Yeah. It's just, you don't, yeah. You don't, Disney. The only area yeah. you can get swear words on Disney, kids. You want to? You want to hear swear words? Check out Disney's uh, <laughs> The Beatles. The Beatles get, back. get back, kids. Uh, that's for you. <laughs> <sighs> well, well. Thanks for listening, everybody. I really appreciated it. I am the Green Traveler from Gorsh, and I am the Sleepy Leone with no face. And I'm Paul. And I'm Ringo. <laughs> Safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash greenandfaceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.